This episode of Into the Wild is sponsored by Leica Sport Optics. It's well known and proven that connecting with wildlife and nature can improve your overall well-being. So why would you not want to turn it up a notch by getting to see things even closer and clearer with a set of binoculars? It's what I have done and I've not looked back. I can't recommend enough checking out the range of optics that Leica have to offer. A great range of kit with superb optics and they even have payment plans if you don't have the cash up front. I wouldn't shout about a company on the show that I haven't used or been impressed by and it's important to me that companies we are partnered with have the same values as Into the Wild, which is why I'm proud to give them five thumbs up. If you want to check out more of Leica's range then visit their website that can be found in the write-up of this episode. And now, on with the show. Hello everyone and welcome to another episode of Into the Wild, your weekly podcast all about wildlife, conservation and nature. I'm your host Ryan Dalton, thanks for clicking play on the pod. Well, nature nerds around the world, I'm happy to tell you that it is currently 21 degrees Celsius with clouds in the sky instead of 40 degrees Celsius with fire in the UK. Uh, That was a scary week. I had to close my business. I didn't work for two days. I just pretty much laid on wooden floor eating fruit pastel ice lollies. I I swear to God, I'm not trying to get a sponsor from fruit pastel ice lollies. Or I am. Or I am. But, um... It's a lot better now. This is this is what summer's meant to be like in London. Uh, for those of you that don't live in the UK that are listening, uh, we had a, an intensive heat wave. Um, for, I wouldn't even call it a heat wave. I'd just say it was an, an effect from the climate crisis for two days. Uh, it was 40 degrees Celsius, which is, I would say, a good 15 degrees Celsius above what standard UK summer temperature is. So um, it was quite scary. Uh, we had a lot of fires around uh, London, very close in London as well. Yeah, really not nice, but it's cooled it down. A lot and hopefully that will wake some leaders up <laughs> right so welcome to the show <laughs> um hope you're all doing good this episode that is going to be played today is the second episode that we recorded live at global bird fair in 2022 it's a lovely little chat with george hassel and indy kimmel green um, but before we get on to that i should probably do some 60 second nature news let's get some positivity out there let's see what's been going on around the world to do with wildlife and nature shall we yes okay so those of you that have never listened to into the wild before um, or those of you that have forgotten 60 second nature news is a little segment that we do i try and do it every week but sometimes we just don't have time um but a little segment that we do that shares four stories from around the world to do with wildlife conservation and nature. Uh, So let's see what we've got. Deep breath, let's try and do this. One, two, three. Three female bison have been released into a five hectare double fence area of wild space in Bleen Wood as part of a rewilding project by Kent Wildlife Trust. The area will be increased to 50 hectares in August after the arrival of a new bull and bison graze on the bark which helps naturalistic tree clearance and to allow for new and diverse growth. And some more reintroductions but this time we're in the Manas National Park in Assam, India from large bison to pygmy hogs. Ten captive bred pygmy hogs were released in the National Park by the Pygmy Hog Conservation Programme, obviously. This follows a continuous annual release programme that saw 12 being released in 2021 and 14 released in 2020. Thanks to the use of drones, images have been taken by Wildlife Conservation Society that may show the world's most endangered turtle, the Swinhoe softshell turtle. Observed on Dongmo's Lake, 30 miles west of Hanoi, these images have been under observation to determine whether this is in fact a confirmed spotting of a turtle that only has three known individuals left in the wild. 
And finally, the largest ever invasive species, mainly predators, eradication project worth $2.8 million has been signed off to take place on Stewart Island off the coast of New Zealand. Stewart Island is 180,000 hectares and this project which will involve removal of feral cats, possums, hedgehogs and rats from the island will help to secure the safety of the native species that have no natural predators. And that's the end of 60 Second Nature News. There we go. Four stories from around the world. The, the, the invasive predator thing, the eradication, I know it's the, like I, oh God, there's so much to say about that. Like, I agree with it. But it always just makes me feel, as an animal lover, I always feel a bit like, ah, it's a shame, isn't it? <laughs> like, like, I know it has to happen, but you just, I don't know, I think about it, do you? You just think about it from the animal's point of view. Going, what do you mean I have to be killed? Well, you're not meant to be here. Well, how am I here? Well, we put you here. Well, surely it's your fault. Well, let's not get into that. Just seems a bit of a shame. And it obviously is a shame, but these kind of projects are essential to um, save natural native species. Anyway, on to today's episode. Um, so this was our second episode recorded at Global Bird Fair, and it is merely a lovely little chat with Indy Kimmel Green and um, George Hassel, aka Green Finger George on Twitter and Instagram. Um, I let Indy talk about goshawks for a bit. Um, I asked him a couple of questions about being categorised as the youth, how they feel the pressure to do with the climate crisis, how they deal with it day to day, with it being their future currently, and and you know what kind of um, things do they feel about where we're going in this world. So it's a lovely little chat, um, and I hope you enjoy it. So this is a chat with Indy Kimball Green and George Hassel. Well, I am sat here with live at bird fair do i need to say that every time oscar do i need to sound live at bird fair every time yes okay i'm still live at bird fair alive at bird fair with very much the ant and deck of nature uk nature yeah and, I don't know we, we, we said that yeah because there's a short one at all yeah. yeah. so yes yeah so it would work so that means your ant which yeah. yeah and your deck are you all right with being deck yeah i never know which yeah, way around it is that, with those yeah. two well the tall ones ant tall ones i know ant. now yeah, yeah, he's, that's he's also got an alcohol problem, but I mean, I you don't have to go over yeah. that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's George, actually. Yeah, that's <laughs> yeah. definitely George, not me. Uh, I better actually tell people who I am sat with before people go, Oh my god, he's interviewing <laughs> Anton Deck at Global Bird Fair. Um, Hi, I'm Ant. <laughs> I, what was that so <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it, you tried, and I'll never take that away from you. I'm sat with Indy Green and George Hassel. How are you, Indy? Are you enjoying Global Bird Fair so far? It's very, very nice. It's a, it's a good little walk around. There's a good pizza when it's open. Um, it's, it's, <laughs> it's always food. And the thing is, it's not open yet. We've, we've been like twice. Why is it not open? But the, apparently, we keep going on, they always say the oven's not hot enough. The base of the oven isn't hot enough yet. <laughs> oh, it's wood fire, like, like well, proper fire. I think so, yeah. Well, they got to cook it somehow. But well, I mean, yeah, I don't know. Okay. There's an oven. So I the guess oven's it's not oven. hot enough. Yeah, it's not hot enough yet. So they, we keep going and they, we say, and they said, oh yeah, it'll be on in about half an hour. And they said, I'll be warm in 25 minutes. And then went again every 10 minutes. And then we thought, no, we I'm can't not have it lie. now. This is already to too here. long talking about pizza <laughs> on a podcast live at Global Pizza Bird and Goshawks got it in. Um, George, how are you? Are I'm you enjoying... No foodstuffs. How are you enjoying Bird Fair? <laughs> been cracking. Dead interesting. First time. Been. Re- <laughs> it's your first time here? Yeah, first time. It's mine as well. First time. Yeah, it's been dead good. Nice walking around the stalls. Nice meeting people. 
when the food's out, it's nice. Um, Look at that professional you know, answer. You know, professional yeah, yeah. answer. Nice yeah. meeting people. I've nice. been on here four times. It's relaxed. That is now. true. That is true. Um, <laughs> let's talk about some wildlife. Um, well, actually, before we do that, what are you guys doing? Like, what are you getting up to? Have you got stuff going on while you're at Birdfur? Indeed. I do. Um, I got a panel tomorrow, at, tomorrow, which is Saturday, uh, 4.30, with a bunch of young people being chaired by David Lindo. Nice. Uh, so that'll be fun in the Osprey, in the Osprey Lecture Theatre, which is like Glastonbury Pyramid stage for this place. <laughs> um, but yeah, um, so yeah, looking forward to that. That'll be good fun. Nice. Yeah. What about you, George? Well, I'm meant to be doing some podcast, um, <laughs> but you know, yes. Yeah. But I thought it was, thought it was a, a really attractive me, host. You know, yeah, yeah, I know yeah, which yeah. one you're about. Um, <laughs> um, okay, let's start with a question. Let's actually talk about nature for a bit. Uh, George, I'm going to start with you. The natural world, you love it. What's your favourite thing about the natural world? The intricacy and how everything's connected. You were ready for that question. I was. I was, you know, <laughs> prepared. I was, you know, yeah, yeah. I already knew it before you were going to ask it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, but yeah, just how everything relies on each other, how yeah. it's all connected. And looking at everything on a bigger picture and looking at everything in detail as well. Okay. And have you got a favourite? I'm gonna go, I'm gonna ask you a favourite habitat. Have you got a favourite wild habitat you like to go in? Moorland. Moorland, really? Moorland, yeah. That's a great question. That is actually. Is that was a good That's question. A good yeah. question. Yeah. Thank you. No one's ever told me I had a good question. It's really good for the self-doubt, that is. okay, so Moorland. What what is it about Moorland? Well, it's on my doorstep. It's quiet. Handy. Handy. There's no people up there, which is the main great. thing. Great. It's bleak. Uh, wet, <laughs> cold, miserable, not Spoken much up like there. Spoken like a true 90s indie Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but I think it's one of them places that's really underappreciated. Like, not many people mention it because of how bleak it is. But, yeah. like, you know, when you do go up there and you kind of learn the area, the habitat, the... I think it can be quite sort of personal almost, seeing yeah. the changes in the landscape. There's obviously quite big features up there, big hills, big valleys. And, you know, you kind of have it all to yourself a bit. Yeah, so it's nice. quite special. Yeah. I like that. What about you, Indy? What's, what is your favourite thing about the natural world? Answer that one first. Um, can it be a species? No, no, okay, right. Is it the species I think it's going to be? It can be, but I can, th I can say something else. Do a different one, because we're going to talk about that species in a minute. Excellent. Just for you. Excellent, thank you. Um, Gossip, by the way, if you haven't guessed. Um, but <laughs> it's... Um, I suppose I like how especially all the insects have such an intricate job i don't yeah. know why i'm just getting really obsessed with this at the moment <laughs> and like but i saw i can't remember what species it is but it was a bee that was carrying another paralyzed bee into a burrow down south the other day which was really cool and i just love how like everything has got its own little niche like everything in the natural world not just kind of small insects but i guess insects are such a large niche proportion of yeah, wildlife yeah. that there's more connections there's going to yeah, be yeah there's, so, there's so many connections which is crazy um another thing i'm massively just just really genuinely really into at the moment is clouds um you won't you won't be expecting this but i really <laughs> honestly like when i love clouds at the moment i'm really loving clouds and like no no no, no, no okay but they they all like they all mean different things weather-wise and they all look different they've all got obviously different names and they just, they're all, they're all just really cool and they look yeah. great. So, and I don't know why I found it so funny. I don't know, you weren't I've expecting got tears it, in my eyes. No, I wasn't I've, expecting clouds. I've, I've got, my parents want me a book for my birthday, which is a book of clouds. That'll do it. And <laughs> it's the best birthday present I've ever got, well, apart from these Liam Gallagher glasses, oh, which I'm wearing yeah, here, of course. Yeah. Um, and yeah, I just think it's really cool to look like, 
I imagine like if you imagine back in the olden days, back when Ryan was younger, and wow, you think like, <laughs> and <laughs> yeah, and the you look, 90s, you, if anyone's yeah. interested. Yeah. <laughs> and you look at the clouds, and you know what weather it is instead of like you know you didn't have BBC weather back in the whenever. So I mean, you did, but not in the way we have it now. No. So think, you know, you had a weather. You have rock. to understand, BBC weather did exist <laughs> yeah. no, no, in no. the 90s. Are you talking further back? But, well, yeah. Okay. I, I, back. I was taking the PIWS with you, but the rest of it is nice. Um, no. So yeah, like having to like see the clouds and yeah. like because I know there's a there's a cloud called a mare's tail, which kind of looks like someone's got a paintbrush on, of white of white paint on a on a blue canvas that just gone bash against yeah. the sky, and it looks like a bit like a mare's tail as well. And that's that kind of like indicates a change in weather. Mm. So that's kind of cool. So I want to learn what they all kind of mean, and then I can like not predict the weather because I could just read it. But um, just I just I just find it really interesting. It's a bit different. I do agree, yeah. agree actually because I think when like because I work outdoors, I'm outdoors all the time. Sometimes yeah. again, I can't predict the weather, but you can certainly start to get a sense, you can sense of what it, things yeah. mean when you see. Like the first thing is like, oh, there's a cloud over there. Look up, what direction are the clouds going? Oh, we're fine. Don't worry. Yeah, yeah, Unless yeah, that yeah. suddenly changes, yeah. we're fine. Well, it's, it's like, it's you like start to connect more with your environment when you know stuff like yeah, that. Yeah, definitely. It's, it's like kind of thundery weather. Like you can't describe it, but it's a very kind of like... You do feel silent. it, don't you? You, you do feel it. That's the You're thing, like, you feel it and it's cool, it isn't it? And that's, like a nice, <laughs> yeah, and that's a nice connection with nature, I feel, yeah. isn't it? Because you know, you kind of sense the weather and like you can watch birds. Like I've known, I know birds like swifts always like to get ahead of weather fronts. So yeah. whenever there's a big weather front coming, they're always ahead of it and flying away. So you see a dark cloud, a load of swifts coming, you think, I'm going to follow them. Amazing. So, yeah. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah. nice. I, like I wasn't that. expecting yeah. that as I an bet answer. You were. Favourite yeah. habitat? Favourite habitat? Um, probably wood. Woodland, yeah. Woodland, just that cathedral of nice tall oak trees is... Very nice and cool on hot days like we're experiencing recently. Yeah, that's so, so true. Yeah. God, um, I've just realised you mentioned birthday present. I've got your birthday present. Oh, yeah. Do you want to open it? I mean, this is very pointless for the listeners. But, um, go but we're going to open it live. Go for it. Um, I'm, I'm saying now, this. <laughs> it's not the first thing I'm pulling out because this is my jacket and it's a nice jacket, so you're not having that. <laughs> I was. I, I, did, um, I did see that and I was quite yeah. excited. It, but, it, but it is cloven. Is it whiskey? Is it what? Clover? No, no, no cloven. Clo- a clothing? It's, a clo- it's, it's an item of clothing. Should I close my eyes? You can do. Okay. Is there one you hand go. enough? You can, you can open it. There you are. This is an <gasps> yes! old... Oh, I say, oh, it's vintage. I'd, I don't wear it anymore. So I'm upcycling one of my vintage Hawaiian shirts Excellent. for you to wear. Um, I there do you go. love your shirts. I'm, Thank I'm trying you. to be more... I'm not buying presents. I'm trying to gift things that I don't use or go, actually, yeah. I need to do some clear out. Oh, I can give some shirts away. So nice. I thought, who would like a, I do a like burnt your orange Hawaiian <laughs> shirt? There you Thank go. you Thank very you. much. You're welcome. You're I so appreciate, welcome. I You're deeply so welcome. appreciate that. You better that. be Thank wearing it later much. on today around Bird Fair. Otherwise, I'll kick off. <laughs> kick off. Um, <laughs> I shall. Thank you very much. You're so welcome. Happy um, birthday. Right. Okay. And, uh, another. Hello. <laughs> this is what happens when you do live podcasts someone just shouts out which sounded like Fenton <laughs> right your second birthday present is um, oh I'm going to give you an opportunity to talk about finally on this show oh, I don't know if we did speak about them before we're going to talk about Goshawks so yes. you've got a couple of minutes <laughs> tell me what is it about the Goshawk you love so much can't think of anything to say um, <laughs> um, no I just think the fact that they are. I'm like I'm daydreaming here. I've got my hands under my chin. I'm just closing my eyes and imagining the scene. So, I hope, I hope you get get yourself a cup, cup of cocoa, sat back on the sofa, and enjoy the next three minutes of allocated Ryan time of me and Goshawks. So, I just think they're really cool <laughs> because I love the fact that 
so many like so few people manage to see them yeah but i feel so lucky of where we used to live there was this barn you know behind behind the house where we were and they used to fly over my head every single evening and it was the it was just the fact that it, because they were so secretive and i was so lucky mm. to be able to see them so regularly pretty much whenever i wanted to i just walk up to this barn and go right it's a gossip and i know that so many other people would want to see that and it wasn't a, it wasn't because of like a me f it wasn't me feeling like jammy like oh i've, I've got yeah, gossip yeah. and you haven't it's just the fact that i knew i was so lucky to be able to see them so often and so regular and that made me very happy because i felt like i'd not been chosen but i felt so privileged to be able to see them so often what i loved about especially viewing them from there so often was the fact that every single night was different right and like sometimes when they'd go to roost because they go to roost from one side of the forest and then there's some fields in between they go over the barn or next to it and then into the woods on the south side but not all the time they would fly so sometimes they fly over the barn which is what you want they want you want them well i you know it's nice to see them close but sometimes they would fly quite distant over the fields and that would change every single night there was never a pattern as to where they would fly but they'd always fly at the same time every night following the sunset as it moves down or up you know you know and was that for, winter. what was the reason for their flight path what, what were they doing so they were going to roost so they were coming oh, so, right. so i sometimes if i went up there a bit earlier i'd watch them feeding on the north side of the woods and you see like most of the juveniles and occasionally an adult if i was really lucky that's the thing like you never know which birds you're going to see but eventually yeah. you get to know which ones are in that territory which male and which female and then how many chicks they fledged that year because they always hang around with those with that pair with those parents above those woods but yeah it was just the fact that every night was so different you never mm. knew what you were going to get so that therefore if i went more and more often i was getting more and more rewarded by these these views that i was getting that were so lucky but the close ones didn't happen every night so that's why i went more and more often yeah. and when it happened it was so satisfying yeah they just not slowly very quickly became my favorite bird because I just, like I said, I just felt so lucky and they just look really cool and they're really secretive and they can kill things and they're great. <laughs> the, the, the two things Indy likes the most, secretives and, and kill, people that kill <laughs> um, why, why are they so secretive? Is, is that partly due to, is that why they're in decline as well? Because of the, the fact that they can't be so elusive because of habitat loss or something? Yeah, I suppose. So. I mean, like they, they hunt, obviously, so they need to stay secretive, even though their prey is, I suppose, kind of docile sometimes, like, you know, grey squirrels. I remember when I went um, under licence with someone near the Goshawk Nest, near where I live, and, like, quite close to the nest, there'd be just loads of grey squirrels, which is, like, a top prey item for them, and they'd just be, like, hanging around the trees quite close by, and they'd just be really chill. And whereas the wood pigeons, <laughs> they wouldn't. I suppose another big risk for them, an actual risk is getting mobbed quite a lot. Yeah. So okay, if they get right. attacked by crows or other birds of any prey, then it, yeah. it can be, you know, risk to themselves if they get any feathers plucked out or anything, or if they, you know, bleed or anything, yeah. anything happens. Um, so they need to kind of watch themselves, watch their backs a little bit. So that's why they just stay under the canopy. And also why flaunt yourself when you can be cool and show occasionally and make someone very happy instead of a lot of people all the time. <laughs> Is that what they're thinking? Exactly, I reckon so. They, they know that. They've got big brains, they've got big heads, so they're fine. George, are you a Goshawk fan? No. no. no right. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Next question. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> George has actually been lucky enough to... We, we saw Goshawks yeah, at my house and I, and I accidentally broke his... Oh yeah, I knocked his scope over with excitement. With excitement? Yeah. yeah. We backed up, you jumped into the air, backed <laughs> up and then just went from flying. I'm not going to lie, I would say a good... When you were living where you were living, 80% of voice notes he sent me were interrupted by a Goshawk sighting. <laughs> so he says, 
Oh, Obviously, yeah. it's oh, very yeah, easy yeah, to yeah, exclaim yeah, yeah. that you've seen something. We've all seen his pictures online of pointing to an empty sky. Yeah. <laughs> With one little circle somewhere, somewhere in the left. That could yeah. easily be a plane. Yeah. I'm not even sure. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> the birds really fly at 35,000 feet. <laughs> With a jet coming out behind them. I'm not too sure. Um, Goshawks do. There you go. They have nice. a jet because the, the, the fire in their eyes because it's so orange yeah. and it burns so quickly. They have, they have to get like they have to get like new retinas every day. It's it needs a to fact. start a folklore podcast. George, we, you've been on the show before and we've been talking about like gardening with nature and using the space around us to benefit nature. But let's keep this to birds. Is encouraging birds in the garden something that you always wanted to do, or were you always in the plants and the insects and amphibians? Because I know you like your ponds. You love your ponds. But where did birds play a part for you? Well, for me, it was birding that first got me interested in gardening. Oh, really? So it was going out birding and then realising, well, I don't have to go out birding, I can do it at home. Yes. Therefore, I will create a garden that brings birds in. Um, and yeah, bird, uh, gardening with birding in mind is always really important. It can be so rewarding as well. Yeah. Because, you know, as much as I love trekking out at five in the morning to Sherwood <laughs> Forest <laughs> in the freezing cold, batting ice off my tent, looking <laughs> genuinely true pipit, it's always nice to stand in your kitchen with a cup with of a tea, brew, yeah. with some Jaffa cakes, and watch some green finches and sparrows flitter about. <laughs> you know? There's many types of birding. Yeah, yeah. Can I talk about clouds again? <laughs> <laughs> um, so, with encouraging birds into the garden, what approaches do you like to take? Because I know there's always discussion about how how is best to do this. Can we do this from a bird feeder point of view, or can we do this from a more natural approach? From planting plants that are giving the seeds themselves anyway what kind of approaches do you like to take i think it's just good to have a good balance you right. know feed them especially in the winter uh, you know it, it does really benefit yeah. them but also having other uh, options other habitats ponds i'll bring it back to you bring it to goshawks i'll bring it to it's ponds, ponds. <laughs> get a pond excellent good water source right through the year yeah then also having different food um varieties in autumn with berries then making sure you don't use pesticides so there's insect life. It's creating a nice sort of diversity of both habitats and food sources and nest habitats and being able to find water. What is the best bird you've seen in your garden? Now, bearing in mind on the show before, the best, and I'm not counting Sherwood for this, Sherwood Forest. That doesn't count for you, Indy. Because George, George Monbiot yes. had his suburban goshawk in his garden. So that's like kind of... I <laughs> one would assume a top trump there. So <laughs> for you, George, what's the best? Can, can you beat a goshawk? Golden uh, Oriole. No, uh, yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> probably the most exciting was a heron. I have to admit, that, I know they're yeah. pretty common, but it just- No, but size-wise, it's quite exciting. Yeah, getting up, rubbing, you know, you, the salt out your eye, you're going up and then you see a heron stood in your garden. Yeah, like, I'd be excited about the that. The hell is that? <laughs> you know, they so walk around like, and you're thinking, because you've got ponds in yeah. your garden, I guess. It, we had 24 frogs and then the heron came and we had none. Yeah, and then you didn't and have we 24 frogs. <laughs> yeah. And one fat heron. One massive heron that could barely take <laughs> off, yeah. And we just used to watch it and he'd just pick up the frogs and just scoff them like peanuts. And it was like, it was like torn between, this is a really cool thing to watch and also like, I really like the frogs. Yeah. <laughs> it was just like the sadness of watching it just go, you Night, know, next. that's it. Next one, yeah. And it nice. just like hoovered them. It That's quite cool. Sad. I'd like a heron. Yeah. I'd like a garden. Like I'd like a heron. <laughs> I'd like just like a heron. Yeah. yeah. Um, Indy, what about you? What is the best one? Because you had, um, you, when your old bird 
hide setup yeah. was very profesh. Yes, it was. So, but I'm going to count because uh, I'd been to, I'd visited that garden. Yes. So I'm going to say, had my question to what's the best bird in your garden has to be within that patch. Okay. Can't be in the fields. Can it be a flyover? They are counted on most people's garden list, I must say. Are they? They are. Ooh, no, no, I don't know. No, I I see no, that's no. Not in your it's garden, got to be it? in. Nested, okay. feeded, chilled, or at 24 frogs. Those are the parameters. That's difficult, because I've had... The one I was going to say was, like, I had Osprey and Marsh Harrier, which flew over. Okay. And that was quite cool. But Ring Oozle. I don't even know what that is. And that is... That's basically... They, they call it like the mountain blackbird. So okay. it's basically like, well, it, it looks I like a blackbird. And Someone... it's got the, they've got the white stripe yes. on the chest. Yeah. Isn't it weird how you think you don't know something? And then as soon as you see me a bit more information, I was like, someone yeah. told me about this animal. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. So that was really cool. And that, because that was on its autumn migration heading back down to, um, I suppose, Southern Europe or Africa. And that was coming from the, you know, the peaks of Scotland. It was sat in the tree in the garden with a bunch of field fairs and red wings. And I'd never, that was, I think that was the first one I'd ever seen. I was walking back from, putting a camera trap up for a goshawk and I, I just saw this bird at the top of the tree and it was making this weird noise and I was like that looks a lot like no way um, but that you don't often really see especially in Nottinghamshire that many yeah. back on autumn migration the fact that there was one there and it was um yeah, was, that was great that was really cool so that, nice. that was, that's probably I mean I used to get like crossbills and hawfinches and stuff as well which was really fun and they, they, they got quite regular towards the end which was great I remember you had a bullfinch nest when I was there didn't you? yeah, bo yeah bull bullfinch yeah we got them quite a lot which was nice never got them on the feeders which is interesting I tried I always like <laughs> I can't whistle but I used to whistle bullfinches down and that was good fun nice um, but yeah so yeah probably yeah probably ringers or so the next thing I want to talk about is, it could get a bit deep, but we'll try and keep it light because I want to talk about the climate crisis and biodiversity crisis. But for you two, now for me, I've grown up with this now for, I would say properly on my mind for about 15 years. So what, I'm th 17 years, so I'm 30, 32. Um, and it's been a thing actively in my life since about 14, 15. But for you guys, you're at that point now and we seem to know much more about it because of social media. So I would imagine the pressures or the, I'm just going to use the word depression of it, is, is probably more. But George, how do you deal day to day as someone that is, we'll title the youth. How do you feel about stuff like the climate crisis and the biodiversity crisis? Yeah, well, linking back to the moors, obviously, it's quite visual because, yeah. you know, we often, you know, you talk about these, I mean, like climate change, you often talk about like these exotic, well, not exotic places, but, you know, Antarctica, yeah. the ice caps, all that, you know. Whereas for me, it's just I stand at the back window and I see the smoke and the fire and I watch all the, you know, the moorland where I've sat and watched grouse and, yeah, ring, and yeah. ring goozle and yeah. all sorts. And I have to watch it. But, and, you know, there's nothing you can do. I can't exactly go with a bucket of water and try and put it out, <laughs> can I? You know, yeah. miles of moorland burning. Yeah. But it's just so bad, really. It's quite yeah. painful almost, like watching like your home burn. Yeah. But I suppose the only way I can deal with it is just having a little bit of hope that it ain't over till it's over sort of thing. Yeah. And that this... It's not really time, but there's still... Uh, I don't want to be too like optimistic, but by the same token, if we're all going to be pessimistic and say it's over, then there's no point talking there's about no point, it. There's no it's point just happen. being here. Yeah, yeah, exactly. You know, So I can only have some optimism that there is a chance that we can turn it around, but then you watch the news and you watch the politicians and the Tories and you think, hmm, at the same time, is yeah, it? Because yeah, it's, it's just like, you know, it's the same lines of... We are a world leader in protecting our environment. We work hard. We do, and it's like, 
yeah, I've heard that five times. Yeah, yeah. And you know, and then you go on and say, but Shell have also had the biggest profits of adding 15. It's like, yeah. oh, great, you know. But it's just having a little bit of like a hint of optimism and hope that there's still, and maybe not, and maybe we can't reverse it, but at least trying to curveball it and try and deflect it a little bit yeah. into trying to make it a bit better, I'd say. And what for you, I, what would you, this is quite a deep question, but what would you hope for your future? or for your, your generation's future, not just in England, but the planet, because there's people your age everywhere. So what would you hope that with that sense of hope and I guess realism of kind of what the actual possibilities are, what would you say is the, your hope for the future? Or your my, hope, my hope is that when I'm 40 or whatever, if I'm, yeah, if I have kids, that I don't have to go, there was once this thing called a polar bear and it was like a bear, yeah. but it was white. It was amazing. <laughs> then we killed it. Yeah. And there was a thing called a rhino. It was like a unicorn. We killed that as well. Yeah. You know, and it's like, I don't want that. I don't want yeah. to kind of explain these amazing animals and habitats. The moorland, there was this big expanse of grass and it all burnt. Yeah. It's not left. It's now concrete. Yeah. yeah, it's now, yeah. Yeah, it's now a car park. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, but like, I don't want to have to do that. I want to be able to show people that in years to come. Yeah. And there still be... Uh, that's still that beauty and that joy that I've experienced is to tra kind of transmit that to other people in the future and still be able to do it. Yeah, Indy, uh, for you, the, the kind of the same question with the climate crisis and biodiversity crisis, and we went on COP26, we did the march, and when you're in that kind of environment, it's very easy to go like, ah, oh, this has got people behind it. But then I found personally, as soon as I left, I was like, but what now? I really felt like that was great and that was great for my own personal uplifting. But, but how do you feel about it as someone, again, in the youth? Like, when you hear about all these different things around the world, how do you feel? I mean, it's, it's really difficult and I suppose I don't, I don't think about it as much as I used to, which is weird um, because, like, I kind of try and don't scare myself with the whole thing all the time. Yeah. Like, I can, I'm quite good at controlling what I think about um, and... I suppose with with having you know college and stuff as well I have been busier so it hasn't been on my mind as much but I know that what still makes me happy and will always make me happy is the volunteering that I do which yeah. is all the practical stuff and that is obviously making as so many other people are a direct impact direct positive impact so I know that that's you know a good thing and and that's that that kind of makes me feel good and I know that I'm doing my bit obviously there's, there's there's so many more other things that we yeah. could, I, definitely that i could do um and i know what they are and i'm trying my best to you know do them um but i just think i i i don't know if i am hopeful or not i think i i, I think i am a little bit but it's really not that much yeah um because like i'm just trying to be as realistic as possible and looking at it and just thinking actually there's there's, there's there's nothing happened recently yeah there's, there's not really much happening recently there's there, there's so many other things that have been going on that have just been dragging this away from the main the what should be the main topic of conversation um on everybody's lips especially the need the people that need to hear it so um yeah but i just i just hope that people like don't lose too much hope even though i know i'm losing it that's just my honest opinion because i am but that won't stop me trying. Yeah. What's your, I'd be interested to ask because I, I think I know what my frustrations are. I can sit and watch Question Time. I can sit and watch the news. I can, you know, I mean, damn, I have to walk past the Houses of Parliament sometimes in the city I live in and I can, yeah. you actually get that feeling of 
no action as you walk past it it's yeah, really weird yeah. no matter what the yeah. government is you actually walk past and go nothing it's just dead it's isn't just it dead. yeah so George what's your biggest frustration in regards to climate crisis and the biodiversity crisis what is the thing that actually like, <laughs> you off the most it's a question I have not prepared for <laughs> um the question to be good without me swearing right through, but um, it'll be censored. Yeah, it's been. Boris Um I think it's just the lies. It's like I was talking about, like you know, not having too much optimism. But you turn on the TV, and you can just the blatant, outright lying. Yeah, yeah. And not just the prime minister, not just the Tories, but kind of just everybody who has in some way got power over something of the lies that people. You know, the, the politicians, the world leaders, business people, that they supposedly care, whereas they clearly don't. There's, there's, there's little, very zero care. I was watching, like, a Shell advert the other day, and that was about the environment. I was watching it thinking, how yes, is this possible like, that I'm like watching what? this? <laughs> yeah, like, it was going, we are making efforts to be green and better. And I was like, how... You are like literally public enemy number one of yeah. everybody that cares about the environment. But it's just the lying. I'd, I'd even prefer it if they just outright said, uh, basically, I'd like to bring you a say that we're all <laughs> I'd prefer it if they just said that as opposed to, we're, not, we're doing everything yeah, we're that doing we possibly we're really can in our trying, power. Yeah. We're doing everything. You're not. Which is really screwed. clumsy with it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We just accidentally <laughs> drill the made earth, profit. you know. Yeah, yeah. What about but, you, Indy? Yeah. What's your biggest frustration with the whole thing? I think, I mean, definitely agree with George. I think what annoys me is like the constant like passing of the book, which yeah. is just kind of like, oh, it's not our problem, it's China. It's not our problem, it's the Americans. Yeah. And we just sit here just carrying on like normal. Whereas, yeah, sure, I know there are bigger like carbon emitters in the UK, but if we all do our bit, then it's still going to contribute. Yeah. It's still this just like, it's just, it's just this kind of like, there's a stronger word you could use, but the only way I can think of, like, just laziness is yeah. just kind of just like, nah, no, it's, it's not my problem. I'm not, like, they're the ones you see on the news all the time, which you do. That that kind of frustrates me. It's just like, it's, it's not my problem, it's theirs. It's everyone's. We're, we're, we're all, we've all created this mess together, and we've all, all of us have got to clean it up. Um, so, yeah, passing the book, that really yeah. annoys me. Yeah. Well, that's interesting to hear, because I don't know, I guess something for me I, I want to do more of is actually connect or, like, talk to younger people about this kind of thing. It's very easy for me to lose hope, but I think it's so important to not let this, your generation and the generation coming up next, to, and there's reason to lose hope, but to not let that happen, because as soon yeah. as we start seeing that slide, we've got a bigger uphill battle. Yeah, that's harder, yeah. But um, I'm going to ask you both the last question of the podcast. You've both been asked this question before. I'm going to ask you again and make this as specific or niche as you want. I know you did, George, I think, when you were asked on, but if you could pass on one bit of advice onto everyone on the planet about the natural world, what one bit of advice would you pass on? As niche and specific as you want. You both backed away as if you have nothing. I want to say get into clouds. Done. <laughs> get into clouds. Because clouds are great. I knew we'd tie it back around. They're really good. They're like, I mean, you know, clouds and goshawks. Sorry, goshawks. But well, goshawks fly in clouds. I bet goshawks know all the clouds are. They just go, oh, I don't know what the weather is, Dave. I'm not going up. Um, but I think... Yeah, I, I get into clouds. Get, get into clouds, why not? Because they're really interesting. You can predict the weather. They've all got different names. They all look different. They look great in sunsets, some more than others. That's Car true. Castles in the sky, a type of cloud. They look great on sunsets. Um, so, yeah, I would definitely get into clouds. That is a yeah. good value for money, that book, yeah. wasn't it? Um, <laughs> George, what's your one bit of advice? 
Going back to the clouds, another benefit of learning about clouds, you can really impress people at the club. You know, vibing, <laughs> going, did you see that cumulus outside? It was stunning. I mean, you know, yeah. you really, you know, <laughs> really up in the clouds cool factor, isn't it? Yeah. I am up um, in the clouds right now. Oh. I think mine would be just to appreciate the little things. Like, I think a lot of people, they kind of, they watch, you know, Animal Planet and they yeah, go, oh, yeah. isn't that a cute little lamb or is that a cute little co- whatever? But then they'll just go and spray pesticides on the yeah. ants and things. And I think... You know, and they're like, I love animals, I love animals, but I'll just stamp on that snail, like. Yeah. Maybe just be a bit more kind of unprejudiced against animals. Yeah, that's you know, a good one. Try and care for the little things, because the little ladybug, that does as much as the lion does yeah, in, exactly. you know, in the savannah. So, yeah, I just look out for the little, the little, the little creatures. Nice one. Well, indeed, George, thank you so much for joining me live at Bird Fair for Into the Wild. Brian, um, lovely Bird to Fair. have you back on the show. Um, enjoy the rest of your weekend. Um, and I hope that pizza opens soon for you because yeah, I can yes, see you shaking. It has <laughs> to. It has it, like, yeah. otherwise, I, I, otherwise, I'm going to be eating this shirt because it looks quite tasty. It does actually, doesn't it? But Thank you very much for that. Thank you very much, guys. Thank you. Thanks again for listening, everyone. If you'd like to keep up to date with the guests that have appeared in today's Into the Wild episode, then you can do so on social media. Their tags are in the write-up of this episode. Also, you can follow us on social media at Into the Wild Pod on Twitter and Into the Wild Podcast on Instagram. And if you'd like to get in touch about Into the Wild or ask any questions or suggest any ideas for some episodes, you can email me at intothewildpod at gmail.com. A quick note to say that all the opinions and expressions expressed in today's episode belong to the person that said them and do not represent those opinions held by Into the Wild or anyone that we work with or are affiliated with. Into the Wild always aims to be a free show, however running it is not free. If you'd like to support us and say thanks, then you can do so by buying me a coffee. Our Ko-fi link is in the write-up of this episode. Until next time, keep well, stay safe and live the good life.